I want us to look at verses 1 through 3. I'm sorry, Philippians 2. Philippians 2, verses 1 through 3. And uh, we're going to be here for a few weeks. I'm just, just trying to be sensitive what the Lord had for us to deal with day by day, week by week. And uh, this is going to kind of be a launching area for a bigger thought uh, that we'll dig into, look at a little bit. And I hope it'll be a help to our church. Uh, the Bible says there in verse number one, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my love, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Let's pray together. Father, we pray tonight, God, in Jesus' name, Lord, that you'd help us this evening. Lord, you've laid a message on our heart. I pray, God, that you'd help us to deal with it. I pray, God, that you'd give attentive ears, open hearts. Lord, that we could consider our ways. Lord, that we could look at ourselves. Lord, that you'd make us a better church. We'll thank you and praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. For the next few weeks, I want to look at what it means to be a healthy church. Uh, I think a lot of times we've got the wrong idea about what is healthy. I was thinking about this message and I've been reading a couple of books along this line and the Lord has been helping me with some thoughts and I thought about our church. Now, I believe that we have a healthy church. I do. So I, I don't think that I'm trying to diagnose us as unhealthy. But how many of you would agree with me tonight that there's always room for improvement? Always. And uh, there are certain steps to be taken if we want to remain healthy. Uh, I'd rather have a healthy church as a big church. There's a lot of churches that are big. I mean, buddy, busting at the seams, but they're not healthy. And so uh, I want to deal with that a little bit over the next few weeks, maybe as many as 10 or 11 weeks on Wednesday night as we think about the ingredients for a healthy church. Now, when you study the Bible, there are three churches in Paul's epistles that stick out to me as healthy churches. That's the church at Philippi, the church at Ephesus, and the church at Thessalonica. And so I reread all those books today. I read through Philippians, and I read through Ephesians, and I read through First and Second Thessalonians. And I saw some reoccurring themes that Paul talked to them about. And them being a healthy church, he pointed out some reoccurring things. And so I just jotted them down. So what I'm going to deal with over these next few weeks will be right out of the Bible, straight from the Word of God, what it means to be a healthy church. Now, you could go to the doctor today. They could take your temperature and say, well, temperature's normal. They can take your blood pressure and say, blood pressure's good. 
They could check your A1C and do blood work and all that came back normal. And the doctor would say, well, good news, you're healthy. Boy, you'd leave there feeling pretty good. But then you could go down and see a physical trainer. And the physical trainer could say, well, uh, your diet stinks. You need more exercise. Uh, You need to take some supplements. uh, And uh, your, your resting heart rate is way too high. I'm telling you, you're unhealthy. Now, the doctor just told you you're healthy based on all of these different criteria. But when it came to the physical trainer, he wasn't looking so much as where you are right now as where you're headed if you don't do something about it. And so you can have a church that's healthy physically now, but headed in a direction that will eventually lead to an unhealthy church. Let me say this to you tonight. In case you think this isn't important, across Yancey, Mitchell, Avery, Watauga, Madison, uh, down in McDowell counties tonight, There's churches on every corner, little old churches, many of them without pastors. Many have been without pastors for months or even years. For all intents and purposes, they've given up on looking for a pastor. They're uh, basically a mortuary. I mean, they're beyond sick. They're dead. That's just the honest truth that... The side roads of this county are dotted with little dead churches, uh, but they didn't all, they didn't all, they weren't always like that. At one time, they were alive and serving God and living for God, but little by little, as time progressed, things happened. Uh, they became unhealthy. Nobody treated the condition. Uh, nobody did anything about it. Uh, and now, guess what? They're dead. Wouldn't it be a shame? Wouldn't it be a shame 15 years from now if time lasts for somebody in this community to say, boy, that sure is a big old church up there from only have eight or nine people. Wouldn't that be a shame? Wouldn't it be a shame for them to say of Concord, boy, they can't, keep, they can't get a pastor. Wouldn't that be a shame? Wouldn't it be a shame for them to say, nothing ever happens up there at the Concord Baptist Church. Now you can think, that, you're, uh, that we're above it and that it can't happen, but I'm telling you it's happened in a lot of places that didn't think it could happen. So I'm going to, over the next few weeks, we're going to have a little bit of a spiritual checkup because did you know that the church as a whole is a sum of its parts? What I mean by that is the church is only as strong spiritually as its weakest link. Uh, so let me ask you this question tonight. Is your spiritual health such that it is causing the church to be more healthy? Or are you holding the church back tonight? Are you uh, spiritually sick? We're going to think about some things uh, and look at some things that cause spiritual sicknesses. But mostly what we're going to talk about is the markers of a healthy church. I want to know what it is to be healthy. Now, let me... Just give you a confession right here if it'd be all right. I love peanut butter. I love anything with peanut butter in it. Matter of fact, I think the Lord should have made everything with peanut butter in it healthy. I love peanut butter pie. I love Reese cups. 
I love peanut butter brownies. I even like it when they make that chocolate eclair and they mix that peanut butter. And Beverly made a dessert this last Sunday that was some kind of Oreo dessert that had a layer of peanut butter about that thick on the bottom. And I'm telling you, I could have eaten my weight in it. I love it. Matter of fact, I'll be even more honest. You know what I like to eat when I'm eating at lunch? I like a big old greasy, nasty burger in my head. I mean grease dripping off both sides. I like McDonald's French fries, extra salty. I love them. I love it when they're so salty that after you get done eating them, it shrivels your lips up. Come on now. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You eat them McDonald's French fries and then your lips shrivel up where they're so salty. I like ice cold Coca-Cola. Amen. If you're saved, that's what you like. Don't like Pepsi, like Coca-Cola. I like cherry Coke. Oh, boy. I can drink it and drink it. I like that cherry. What is that uh, uh, stuff you get from Kentucky? L.A.'s. I like him. Boy, I like him real good. And so I like all this unhealthy stuff. How about you? How many onions for breakfast? If you get your choice, you got to order biscuits and gravy. Side of bacon. Amen. Billy Kelly said when he died, he hoped he drowned in a pot of gravy between two cathead biscuits. Amen. <laughs> then when you're going to go for lunch, you're like me, you're going to get a big burger and salty fries. And oh, let's not even talk about supper. How many of us is heading to the Texas Roadhouse? Uh, we're getting that big old outlaw, outlaw ribeye. Amen. I, I'm making y'all hungry. I hope you, I hope you don't eat supper. Loaded baked potato, I mean honey, give me a roll, them good yeast rolls, and I'm going to dig down deep in that little old cup that's got that cinnamon sugar butter, and I'm going to eat my fill of them, and they're going to bring me a salad, but I'm going to put so much salad dressing on it that that ain't even healthy for me. Hallelujah. And then we all get fat, and we all get blood pressure problems. Some of you kids are like, what's he talking about? Hang around. As of late, you know what I've been doing every day? Drinking beet juice. Oh, it's just as good as you might imagine. Nobody ever went to the restaurant and said, give me a big old glass of beet juice. Ugh. You know what it tastes like? Dirt. That's what it tastes like. Dirt. I mix it up, though, every afternoon, Brother Neon. Just... Chug it down, chug, 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 chug. You know why? Because it's good for my blood pressure. It offsets all them burgers I've eaten over the years. So I just, I, and you know what else I'm doing in the mornings? I'm drinking Jocko Greens. Mixing them greens up, son. I mean, it looks like somebody's gallbladder erupted <laughs> right inside of my cup. I've got a line of vitamins out on the oh boy Colton he's having a time with this after service I've had it I got a big old line of vitamins laying out there I'm taking magnesium and I'm taking krill oil and I'm taking more beets and pill farms and and I you know and I'm down and all that stuff sun swallowing that trying to offset all them bad decisions over the years you know why it's going to be healthy Nobody in their right mind wants to be sick. But you know what we do spiritually? We spend all our time eating spiritual hamburgers. Last night we qualified, they made smash burgers. I never had had one. 
They smash them down paper thin, put a piece of cheese on them, put another smash burger on top of it. And I ate so many of them things, I didn't know if I was going to finish the nighttime qualification or not. I tell you what, I come home at about 2 a.m., I'm still wide awake. Them smash burgers is turning flips in my stomach. Went in there and took two Pepsi's. Come on now. Some of y'all know that. Hey, some of y'all know that midnight walk where you're walking through the house. Lord have mercy. I got to have something for my stomach. Tearing the medicine cabinet down, looking at everything, swallowing anything you can swallow, just trying to get some relief. There's been a few times I've overdosed on Pepsi's, just trying to get some relief. But spiritually, we do the same thing. We binge all week long. And then when we come into the church, we've got a spiritual bellyache. What is it that makes a healthy church? Don't you want Concord to be healthy? Boy, I do. So I got to thinking about this, and like I said, I got to reading through uh, Philippians and Ephesians and First and Second Thessalonians and reading a couple other books that I found. And uh, I found some commonalities. But I first want to deal with what it's not. I want to tell you three common misconceptions, three things that people think make a healthy church, but that actually have nothing to do with it. Now, in the scriptures that we read, Paul starts an if-then comparison. And so he says, to begin with, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if there be any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels of mercy, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. So here's what he said. He said, if there's any consolation in Christ, uh, uh, he asked the question. He says, is there any consolation in Christ? Uh, is there any fellowship in the Spirit? Uh, is there any, have you ever been shown mercy? Uh, well, if that's true... Uh, then here's what he said. He, he said that if Jesus loved you, then you ought to love one another. He said, listen, if there's fellowship in the Spirit, then y'all ought to get along. And he said, if you've ever been shown mercy, then you ought to show mercy to your fellow man. Now to deal with three things. I'm not going to take very long tonight. We'll have a little meeting after service. And I want everybody to get home at a reasonable time. So I'm dealing with three things right now that are not indicators of a healthy church. But I'm telling you, it's the three things that people use the most that they think indicates a healthy church. Number one, being a healthy church is not about the number in attendance. But that's how we, get, that's how we grade it. Preachers are the worst. We'll ask another preacher, how many do you run on Sunday? Oh, well, we run about 400. Immediately you think, that guy, ah, he's a success. Their church is a success. Their church is healthy. They've got a big old congregation. Then you ask some other fella, and he says, well, I run about 25. You think, man, that guy, he's a failure. 
Their church must be unhealthy. They don't have many people come to it. And everybody knows that the healthy church is the one with a lot of people in it. Well, if you go on that, uh, if you go on that analogy, then guess what? Joel Olstein uh, pastors the most healthy church in America. Surely you wouldn't believe that. Uh, but he's got thousands upon thousands of people every Sunday. Uh, but I'm going to tell you the health is not in the numbers. Uh, as a matter Matter of fact, if you was to ask David, uh, he would tell you that it's dangerous even to start counting the numbers. Amen. It leads to pride. It leads to getting blown up. So while it's good to have a big number, and I'm all for inviting people, and we're going to talk in just a minute about how to do that. I'm going to tell you that you can't gauge a church's health uh, on how many people are sitting in the church pew. I got to think about something this week, Brother Billy. Do you know that every command of the New Testament for the church was designed so that two or three people could do it? The Lord never asked us to do anything that it took 500 people to do. Every time the Lord gave a command to the church, two or three could carry it out. He said, where two or three are gathered together, I will be in the midst. You say, preacher, are you saying that we shouldn't grow? No, that's not what I'm saying at all. As a matter of fact, I hope that we do grow. But I want you to realize that today that that church size has nothing to do with church health. I know some big old churches that are unhealthy churches. They've got squabbles and problems and cliques and folks mad at one another uh, and they're unhealthy. Uh, Hey, uh, it's not about the size of the congregation. Now make a statement right here. And I want you to understand what I'm saying. A church that is healthy, a church that is healthy may have a small footprint but a large impact. That's one thing that our church, uh, the Lord's blessed us with here at Concord. I preach out places and the pastors that have never been here, they say to me, well, I guess you run about 250 on Sunday morning, don't you? And I say, uh, something like that. (laughs) I'm running that many, I just can't catch them. (laughs) He said, well, I figured with all you got going on at your church and all them ministries, you've got to have a lot of people. You see... You can have a smaller footprint but still make a large impact. We don't need to get in the thought process of, well, if we're as big as that church or if we had as many as this church, uh, then we could do this and we could do that. I'm telling you that even with a small congregation, you can make a huge impact. Amen. Uh, Hey, I don't know about you, but I want to impact Yancey County. uh, And I don't want to wait until we're running 300 on Sunday morning to do it. Uh, I believe we could run 300. I've always believed it. I I believe that we may yet before I'm done pastoring this church. But I'm going to tell you, we don't have to have 300 to make a difference. If you've got two or three saints of God on fire for God, my friends serving the Lord and loving one another, what you'll find is that they can have an impact all over the county. Are you hearing what I'm preaching to you? Hey, just because the church is big don't mean it's healthy. It's the number one thing that everybody gauges it by, though. They say, well, that church really doing good. What do you mean it's doing good? I read through Philippians, Ephesians, 
in First and Second Thessalonians, and I'm going to make a confession to you. I have no idea how big those churches were. You know why? Because nowhere in it did Paul ever mention the number that went there. Must not have been important. Never in any of those books did Paul ever say, boy, y'all are really doing good. I hear you're busting at the seams. Boy, y'all are really a great church. I hear that you can't hardly set them down on Sunday morning. He never mentioned that. I I have no idea how many people went to those churches. Uh, Why? Because apparently the Apostle Paul didn't think it was very important. Uh, Why? Because he realized that the health of the church uh, had nothing to do with the amount of the people. So, number one, the amount of people have nothing to do with the health of the church. Number two, I'm, I'm preaching fast. Number two, The money in the bank has nothing to do with the health of the church. But it's always the second thing that people think about. Number one is how many people have you got? Number two, how much money is in the treasury? That's how they determine whether or not it's healthy. Oh, you've got a big treasury. Oh, you've got money. I know churches that's got so much money, they have to keep it in two or three different banks because of the rules from the FDIC. Hey, oh boy, they're really healthy financially. They got a big swell in bank account. Boy, they can do anything they want to do. Well, why ain't they doing something? You see what we learned, particularly from the church at Philippi, the Philippian church struggled. They were the only church that helped Paul. They tried to send him gifts by Epaphroditus and all those. But sometimes they struggled. They couldn't send him nothing. They didn't have no money. But when they'd get a little money laid up, they'd minister to Paul's needs. And if you read the book of Philippians, the whole book is written as a thank you letter for them sending a help to Paul down there in jail. And you see what the emphasis was, was not how much money they could keep but how much money they could give away can I say to you the church is not a bank amen I believe that if the church gets money in I think they ought to find a use for it do something with it I believe the healthy church is all about helping people and making an impact on people and they hadn't ought to ever be hoarding money I know churches hundreds and hundreds of thousand dollars in the bank. What good's that doing anybody? They said, they said, well, an emergency might come up. I had a pastor tell me that one time, and here's what I said to him. I said, if you can have an emergency at your church that costs a hundred thousand dollars, then you ain't got enough insurance. Amen. Say amen, Bruce. I said, if you've got appropriate insurance, you ain't going to have no emergency at your church that's going to cost you no $100,000. Amen. And so, hey, I, hey, we don't need no big old totals in the bank. I, I start getting nervous for getting much more than $20,000. Uh, you know why? Because I think that you ought to put it out there. Help some missionaries. Uh, help some preachers. Help some struggling families. Buy some banners. Uh, do a, Hey, get some things done with it. That, that amount in the bank. Uh, hey, you know which disciple it was that's worried about how much money was in the bank? Uh, it was Judas. He's the only one that cared anything about the fund balance. What's the fund balance? Judas kept saying, Let, let's calculate. I tell you, it's a shame and disgrace toward God. 
churches all over Western. I'm telling you, I ain't never pastored nowhere but these mountain churches, but I know how we are. And I can preach on mountain folks because I am one. Amen. I don't like no flatlander coming up here and preaching about mountain people, but I can preach about mountain people. I was born and raised. I'm going to tell you, there's churches all over this country, and they're dead tonight because they went to counting the cost and trying to figure out how to keep a big bank account and they had to lay a calculator to everything that happened. And, oh, we can't do this. Lord, we got to keep the fund balance. And we got, and you know what? God say, all right, if you ain't going to trust me, hey, whatever happened to trust in God? Believe in God. I'm telling you, God has done so many things on this property. It's unbelievable. Some of y'all just not been coming here. Since you come here, we come, you come in this building. You don't understand. You don't understand. I'm telling you, this right here is a miracle of God. It's proof of the, the, uh, the, the, the trust in God, faith. I'm trying to think of the word provision of the Lord and the providence of God. I'll get it out here in a minute. It's proof of all those things. You can ask Brother Neil. He was our project coordinator. He was also chairman of the building committee. Matter of fact, he was the building committee. (laughs) Amen. We didn't vote on nothing. We didn't. We voted to build the building, and that's it. We didn't vote on no carpet colors. We didn't talk about no colors of the walls. We didn't. We, hey, we just did it. I mean, God just sent it in. And those times we had zero dollars. We started with zero dollars. Uh, we never put together a, a financial committee, never brought in a CPA, never got to calculate anything. I'm talking to you about trusting God, believing God. Hallelujah, church. I'm telling you, church ought not be a business. A church ought to operate by faith. We got a God in heaven. I'm going to make a great big statement right here. Money never has been nor ever it will be a problem at this church as long as we continue to trust God. Never has been, never will be. You know why? Because you trust God. How many of you believe tonight? He'll see to your needs. I'm telling you, hey, I can take time out and run a lap or two and shout praise God about all the times God came through in my life. I mean, put the money in my pocketbook and I didn't know where it come from. Money in the bank account. Hey, are you hearing me now? God sent things in with no explanation for it. I'm telling you, we got a great big God. He's been taking care of me all these years. And the health of the church has nothing to do about a big bank account. Fooey on that mess. I'm kind of like old Doc Seitler. I ain't got hardly as much faith as he had. But Doc Seitler, when he's pastoring down that tabernacle, he zeroed out the fund balance every month. When they got to the end of the month, if they had any money in the bank, they found a missionary somewhere and sent it all to them. And they started every month with a zero fund balance. You know what? He pastored that church a long time, and I don't ever remember him going without. He built schools and built buildings. Amen. I'm here to tell you, God will see to you, son. God will see to you. Steve, remember that day? Steve called me and he said, bad news, pastor. We got within $100,000 to finish this building. Let me tell you this tale. I just got one more point. Billy's head's not even sweaty yet. (laughs) So let me tell you this tale. We got to where $100,000 would finish it. We needed to put in the heat and air. We needed to get a sound system, do a few things. I said, we'll just borrow the money. 
So we talked to them at the bank. They said, sure, we'll owe you $100,000. The building's worth $1.6 million. We'll loan you $100,000. And uh, so they said, uh, be no problem. Well, the lady called that morning, and she said, oh, we've got a problem. She said, you don't own the land. And we didn't. We'd owner financed it. The lady we'd bought it from, owner financed it. And so we owned about $24,000 on the land. She said, we can't loan you the money until you own the land. I called Steve. I said, how much money have we got in the bank? He said, $24,240. I said, well, it's a fixing to be $240. I said, write a check, $24,000. We're going to pay for that land, get a clear title to it so we can borrow this money. I'm telling you, walked in that lawyer's office that day, borrowed $100,000, and that stone broke. Hey, man. Yeah. Barred it on a five-year term with a balloon payment, trusting God. Paid it off in two and a half years. Hey, man, this little old congregation of people, I'm just here to tell you, that money business, forget that, honey. That's got nothing to do with it. God owns the cattle of a thousand heat. Nothing to do with it. Nothing to do with it. So, number one, size the crowd. Got nothing to do with whether or not the church is healthy. Number two, the size of the bank account. It's got nothing to do with or not church health. Now, y'all agreed with me on them first two points, but I'm fixing to throw a third one at you, and everybody's going to be like, I don't know about that right there. And I'm going to make a statement. The amount of over-the-top blowout services has nothing to do with the health of the church. Now, don't get me wrong. I love run, shout, have a blowout service. But I'm telling you, I know churches that blowed out week after week after week after week, and then guess what they did? They blowed out. They go, oh, we ain't had no preaching in five weeks. How come it is every time it's a good service, there ain't no preaching? What's that say about what y'all think about preaching? That's the first thing y'all say. Boy, we had a good service, didn't even have no preaching. No, I'll say, did you have good service yesterday? Boy, I say, preacher preached in there. It was fantastic. We got to hear the preached word of God. We got to hear the taught word of God. And we got to sing some songs. And every now and again, boy, I like when the spirit of God blows through and that kick our gables out of, the, out of the building and shout and worship and cry and praise God. But that happening every Sunday is no indication of spiritual health. As a matter of fact, most of the time, that's an indication of emotionalism. I can stir you up. Yeah, we can get the right songs up here and shed a tear and shake our hands at the right place and everybody in here will be like, <laughs> I've seen them stirred up. Hey, listen, I've seen them stirred up to George Jones concert. I never will forget one time we went to see George Jones at the Ingalls Food Show. How many of us was at that show? Come on now. Hey, man, there's some honest, there's some honest people. Went to see, went to see George Jones' thing, food show, and they come out on the on the stage. His band did and played four or five. Didn't think they didn't think George was coming. People were starting to boo, and they played that no show Jones, and out walked the possum. And when he walked out, there was women standing next to me. I thought they was gonna pass out. <laughs> Now, I mean, he was so old at that point, he needed Jared Tall chasing, jogging in a jug. I mean, he's old. He's like, oh, he's like, oh. Now, if we, go by the, if we go by that, that was a spirit-filled service. Boy, that's a healthy church. 
Say, well, I got goosebumps all up and down my back. I'm glad I got something I can feel, thank God. And I'm glad we feel it every now and again. I'm telling you, you can't run on that stuff. It's not necessarily any indication. If, 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 if a shout and a run and an over-the-top service is an indication of a healthy church, then the Pentecostal church is the healthiest church in the county because they do that every Sunday. Huh? i tell you what, I, hey, and I'm going to bring some of this stuff out. Like I said, i got 11 weeks worth of stuff. But I'll tell you, a little spoiler alert right here. It all has to do with being biblical, having biblical convictions, and loving people. That's the health, that's the health of the church. It's got nothing to do with the size of the crowd, nothing to do with the size of the bank account, nothing to do with blowout over-the-top services. Now, don't get me wrong. I won't say this. Nothing wrong with a big crowd. I'd love to have it, wouldn't you? I'd love to have order chairs and scoot these pews closer together and sun on Sunday morning and be out in the foyer. I'd love that. There's nothing wrong with money in the bank. As long as it don't get ridiculous. Because we can spend money and help missionaries and help other people. There's a lot you can do with money. That's a blessing. There's nothing wrong with blowout over the top services. I love it. I'll get in there, sun, fan it on, add you on, hallelujah, let's go. But none of those things on their own is an indication of a healthy church. Now, I'm going to ask you this. I told you that uh, the health of the church is only as good as the members in it because it's the sum of its parts. Let me ask you a question. If you went and sat down at the doctor and the doctor said, well, your blood pressure's high, your A1C is high, you've got some lipids in your blood, things ain't looking too hot for you. Would you just say, well, you know, that's your opinion, whatever, pass, pass me a cigarette here. I smoke your cigarette all the way down to McDonald's and have you some French fries and another big burger and a milkshake and say, who was that doctor? No. <laughs> you can say that if you want to, but then what you're going to do is you're going to get to meet the folks down at Hawk and Brothers Funeral Home, except you won't meet them. Family meet them. Because that leads to death. But that's the way people live their spiritual life. Preacher can say, check up, consider your ways. And they can go, boy, I'll tell you, I've been listening to the wrong music, having the wrong talk, watching the wrong things, doing the wrong things, thinking about the wrong things. I'm just eating big old spiritual burgers and I'm, I'm eating big old salty French fries and drinking big old spiritual milkshakes and smoking cigarettes spiritually and all these things. If I don't do something about it, I'm going to die spiritually. If I don't do something about it, I might be a part of the church dying. Wouldn't that be a shame? So for those of you that got the nerve to walk in here on Wednesday nights over the next 10 or 11 weeks, the doctor is in and he will see you now. We're going to have an exam. I'm going to ask you where you're at on some areas. I've got a few of them, Billy, that are tough, that are going to make us uncomfortable. Because it might rub us a little bit the wrong way. But sometimes that's good. How many of you 
tonight really feel like you'd get a good spiritual bill of health. If you sat down with the Lord and said, Lord, look me over. Lord, check me out. I wonder how many of us would get a passion grade. How many of us would walk out of the Lord's doctor office and say, I'm doing pretty good. The Lord said my spiritual health was in good shape. I wonder how many of us the Lord would say, there's some areas you need to work on. There's some things that you need to get serious about. Boy, we should do that, shouldn't we? We should do that. I hope that we'll start a journey tonight toward being the strongest we can possibly be. I'll be honest with you, I think the church is as strong right now as it's ever been all the years I've pastored it. Strong church. But there's areas. There's areas where we really could use some straightening out. Let's see if we can't get that done. Let's stand our feet. Father, we thank you, Lord, for helping us tonight. God, would you touch hearts across this congregation, Lord, about their spiritual health over these next few weeks. I pray that you'd touch some hearts tonight. Maybe some people would commit to you, Lord, for an examination, schedule a time. Do that now as only you can. We'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I wonder if there'd be one tonight say, Preacher, I'd like to volunteer for a spiritual examination. I'd like to come talk to the Lord about it. Do like David. David said, Search me, O Lord. Try my reins. I'd like for the Lord just to look in my life, see if he can find anything I need to work on. Point it out to me. I want to be strong. I want our church to be strong. 